So, joy, right? What is joy? Huh? We're going to look at kind of some competing things, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We, we all like to be happy, don't we? <laughs> but, you know, the sad thing is, you know, today I want to talk about the difference between, and you have to make a choice here, judgment or joy. That's the choices that, that God gives you. And we're going to look at Psalm 1 and Malachi 4, the, the two scripture areas we're going to look at today. You know, we as people, we can be forgetful about a lot of things, can't we? <laughs> Cindy is always reminding me, what about this? What about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon once wrote, a man goes into an inn, and as soon as he sits down, he begins to order his dinner, his bed, his room, and he stays at the inn for some time. By and by, the bill comes due, and it takes him by surprise. I never thought of that. Hmm, paying all for all of this. You know, why, says the landlord? I mean, here is a man who is either born a fool or else a thief. Never thought of reckoning or settling with me for his debt. Hmm. And Spurgeon goes on to say that this is how so many people in this world live today, isn't it? Yeah, and enjoying life, but just living day to day and, and seeing what we can do, you know, or get out of it with hardly ever a thought about that coming day of reckoning with the Lord that's described in Hebrews 9.27 where it says, and, and is and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Hmm. How many times have you ever thought about that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just pray, Father, that you open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, Father, to see what you're doing, to follow you, to glorify your name, Father, not us. That's where our true joy can come from that we can see what you do and see it in amazing ways. Help us, Father, to just realize that we are looking to you, Lord. May we look to you today and may we see your Holy Spirit fill us today, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, you know, it's easy to get busy thinking about and worrying about, and working on so many other things. Believe me, I've had that feeling lately. <laughs> that we just don't spend much time thinking about God's day. Or God, even God's day of reckoning that comes closer and closer with every moment that we live. We don't know if it's going to be this afternoon or 100 years from now. But it, each day it gets closer. And this is why, you know, chapters such as Malachi 4 are so important. The, the people of Malachi's day were in danger of just plain forgetting God's judgment. It was like, oh, well, uh, you know, they say things like, where is the God of justice? Or, or they ask in verse 217, and what good does it do us to even serve the Lord? <laughs> You know, well, <laughs> you know, they're thinking thoughts like, well, God doesn't really keep score, does he? Yeah, you ever thought that? He doesn't keep score. <laughs> Obeying his word is just kind of a waste of time. Just let me live and, and let live. 
You see, these Jews at that time were a lot like a lot of us today. And who have forgotten the reality of God's judgment that is coming. And so Malachi ends his prophecy with a reminder for both the people of his day and for us right here today, the truth. Truths that can keep your hope up. Keep looking up. Get that hope. Um, you know, that can reinforce how important your obedience to him really is. And then can show us how truly to be prepared to face that day of judgment. You know, in his classic book, uh, most of us, I'm here probably sure, have read or heard about Robinson Crusoe. And Daniel Defoe writes that uh, when Robinson Crusoe's good man Friday, remember Friday, yeah, asked him, why doesn't God just destroy the evil? And Robinson Crusoe gave him the right answer, the only true answer. He said, God will destroy him. Hmm. You ever been tempted to doubt that? Have you ever been tempted to really doubt that? You know, we see people in politics all the time, in business, at work, or on the news that just, well, seem to do pretty well, even though they do wicked, evil things, don't they? And we see it more and more every day. Somebody might say, I can't believe they got away with that. How many times have you said that? But do they? Really? Do they get away with it? <laughs> Malachi tells us in no uncertain terms here that ultimately nobody, none of us, get away with anything. Nothing. Okay? He begins in verse 1 with the, the fate of the wicked, for, for there is a day coming, he says, a specific day, a specific day as real and certain as we see today, that we're sitting here today. It's a real day, right? We're not dreaming this, I don't think, are you? Yeah. Um, but when there's a day coming when God will punish the wicked, but what else does he say? And reward the righteous. Reward the righteous. Malachi uses fire to describe the judgment of the wicked. You know, he pictures the wicked as stubble and chaff like grass. The, the wicked will be burned up in the fiery furnace of God's wrath and judgment, and leaving neither root or branch, no life at all in them. He describes it that way. And the image here is of utter destruction with no hope of survival or restoration. And God's judgment will deal finally and decisively with all of his enemies. Do you believe that? Yeah, I hope so. But you have to be careful here a little bit. Malachi is not picturing or painting a picture of hell here. Some try to use that verse to teach that hell's not forever, that condemned souls are destroyed or annihilated. But Jesus describes hell in a much more vivid way. In, in the New Testament story of the rich man and Lazarus, where he makes it very clear, and this is Jesus speaking, that souls in hell suffer forever. Forever. On the other hand, though, in verses 2 and 3 uh, of Malachi 4, give us a snapshot of the fortunate. The fortune of those that, as it says in there, fear my name, which are the righteous the believers. Their destiny, destiny isn't 
to have the heat turned up on them. No. <laughs> but for the beautiful dawn of a new day. Wow. Yeah. The sun of righteousness that rises with a healing in his wings. Friends, that's, it's not hard to see the sun is really the sun, right? I hope you see that, Jesus Christ. And this beautiful place is described as heaven. But the point Malachi is making is not necessarily about what heaven will be like so much as it is that the righteous will find peace and joy given by God. Real, true joy. That's what it's about. He describes the righteous, the believers, us, as frolicking like newborn calves, running around and leaping for joy. I used to live on a farm, and I raised calves, jumping, and I saw them jumping around like that when they were little. It was fun. But he also goes on to say they're jumping around for joy, trampling the ashes of the wicked whom God has judged. Hmm. Friends, God will shine the light of his goodness and his blessing on those who fear him. Remember that. They're going to experience his perfect peace and his fullness of joy. That's what it's about. Because they belong to him. We can belong to him. So, does it pay to serve God? Does it? What do you think? Does God really punish the wicked and re reward the righteous? Malachi says he does, pretty plainly. So do you believe that? It's God's word in the Bible. If you do, I want you to understand this. If you believe that, it'll affect how you see the world. <laughs> True joy and how you live your life from that day on. <laughs> you know, friends, joy can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, can't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I read this article, January 1994, Reuters, I, I never can say that right, Routers, whatever, news service story on Manuel Olivera's ice cream shop in Merida, Venezuela, reported on his... Poor Baskin and Robbins. Uh, 567 different flavors of ice cream, <laughs> including onion, chili, beer, eggplant, smoked trout ice cream, uh, spaghetti and Parmesan, chicken with rice, and spinach ice cream. <laughs> he said, some flavors do fail, you think? <laughs> As a matter of fact, he once abandoned, he said, avocado ice cream and tossed out 99 pounds of it because it wasn't smooth enough. Well, okay. Ugh. You know, can you imagine that? Oh, man. Uh, so, in what do you find real joy in your life? What do you find joy in? Ice cream? <laughs> I don't know. I, I know Cindy and Naomi like to go get ice cream, but <laughs> sometimes it might seem to help, but... Certainly not those kinds of ice creams, I don't think. They sound pretty awful. How about chocolate chip or butter pecan or a few others, you know, like strawberry? I don't know. But, you know, you know, friends, food, it seems to be part of our balanced diet, right? 
Well, I read someplace or once heard, old people shouldn't eat healthy foods. They need all the preservatives we can get. So, <laughs> however, we do enjoy our food in America, don't we? So, the word in enjoy here is the right word. We don't care if it's healthy or not, as long as it tastes good. We enjoy it, right? Meaning that we like it, and it gives us pleasure. But we tr do we truly get joy, real joy from it? So where does joy really come from? I hope you've thought about that. I think so many times we equate joy with stuff, you know. I have the right toys, the big house, enough money, and I can be happy. It's happy. It's not eternal. Other people equate joy with relationships. If I'm getting along with my friends and my family, if my family's in order, things are going well, oh, we're all good. It's all fine. Then I'm joyful. However, you see, the more time you spend with God, the more time you spend with him right there, the deeper your relationship grows, the deeper your love grows, and the deeper your true joy grows. That's what it's about, building relationships. Listen to what Psalm 1 says. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, I've been reading a lot lately in the New Testament. Specifically, I've been reading some of Paul's letters. Paul was a church planter. Yeah. That's something that I did and Miguel's working at. Yeah, church planner. And I thought, okay. And, and he'd move on to a new city after he'd planted a church. And then he'd write back to those churches that makes up a lot of the New Testament. And I keep running into verses like Philippians 4.4 4, where it says, Always be full of the joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. Here's a verse that talks about joy. He tells us to rejoice. And then he says, don't forget it. Again, he says, I rejoice. The only thing is that when Paul was writing this passage, he was in jail. You're thinking, okay. As a matter of fact, the whole letter of Philippians is amazing because he wrote it from jail. Paul doesn't, but Paul doesn't want to talk about his circumstances. They don't really matter. What matters is that Christ's message is being spread. That's what he's talking about. The gospel is being shared. Joy. My friends, your joy, your true joy is tied to what you allow to influence your life. Ever thought about that? In Psalm 1, David contrasts those who are influenced by the wicked 
and those that are influenced by God. You know, in, in this day and age that we live, it's easy to be influenced by the enemy. I've talked about that to some folks. It's easy. We might even be doing some good things. But if Satan can distract us from what God really wants us to do, he'll do it. He'll use even good things to keep us from doing the best things. You know, doom and gloom and neg negativity are in every channel, it seems like, an internet thing or whatever. It's not very hard for us to find a, a way to sin either, is it, out there? It's interesting to me that in this psalm, sin is mentioned as a kind of a progression. Sin starts off small, but like a snowball rolling downhill, it gains steam and becomes big very quickly. But if you want to be full of joy, you have to choose to be influenced by God. That's where it comes from. Psalm 1-3 says, They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Friends, that's more than just reading the Bible. <laughs> you can read the words. And, and, but are you getting what's really there? I think the idea of delighting in the Lord ties back to the greatest commandment. It really does. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your strength. Love, love him with everything you have. Not 95% of it, but 100%. You, know, you see, we were created to fall in love with God. We were. He's supposed to be central in everything that we do, no matter what it is. In Him, we find true joy and fulfillment of our life. You remember what it was like to fall in love for the... <laughs> you know? I remember what it was like when I first started dating Cindy, and I'm going to hopefully won't embarrass her. <laughs> I wanted to be around her constantly, you know? We spent time talking, laughing, and even kissing a little, yeah. But you know, <laughs> I still love that time. I do. I love it when we get a chance to just hang out and be together, even if it's just riding in the car, just the two of us. You see, likewise, the more time you spend with God, the deeper your relationship becomes. The deeper your love grows and the deeper your joy grows. The psalmist, you know, adds that not only is there delight, but there's meditation. And I think that speaks, speaks really to the needs of our lives to just mirror Christ. We're told to strive to be like him. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. Do you? I think the psalmist is speaking of this. To meditate on God's law is to make it part of your life. Every breath that you take. To read it and adapt it to your life. To, you know, to your life. Not you adapting him. You know, you are adapting to him, not the other way around. And he says, if you do this, you become like the tree that's planted. You're no accident. <laughs> yeah, there's purpose there. 
You're right where God wants you to be. That's what we have to remember. You're planted by the stream, meaning that you'll have sustenance. You will have things that will build you up. That's what the church is supposed to be. You find your strength from God, and your roots go down deep, deep. You'll bear fruit, and your leaves won't wither. Hmm. Both of these images speak of longevity. You'll make a difference. And he says you'll prosper as you do all of this. You know, I think that's what joy is all about. I mean, I've been there. I mean, m- most of you know, you know, I, I-, I worked for Kaiser Permanente and such for quite a while. And uh, <laughs> you know what? God takes care of us when we're doing the right thing. He had to finally kick me and say, okay, you're done. Finish your seminary and let's get going. And uh, in doing that, our life has been great. It really has. And I, I think that's what joy is all about. You see, joy is more than just happiness at any given moment, friends. It's deeper than that, much deeper. Joy is knowing that God loves you and that you are in the right standing with him. That's how Paul was able to know that even if he were to die in that prison cell, he says, I can still rejoice in the Lord. Because he knows, you know, I've heard it said many times, hey, it's a win-win situation, right? Friends, I ask you again, do you have that kind of joy? Do you? Do you have that joy? Or have you been letting other things influence you? And distract you. I could tell you that the greatest thing you could do today is to reach out and ask Jesus to save you. Even again, if it's already done. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And he also said that I came so that you could have life. Abundant life. And abundant life doesn't mean having a bank account of a million dollars. It means having joy of friends that you can love. Maybe today you need to choose life in him and seek that true joy. Psalmist ends with a reminder of coming judgment. Someday, he says, we will face our maker and be judged. His reminder is this. You have the opportunity to choose right now, the path you want to be on. One way leads to destruction. The other leads to life and joy. So which one are you going to choose? So again, pure joy. Have you found it yet? Have you? In a nutshell, here's where it's found. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Friends, God's deepest desire for you right now is not your destruction. That isn't what he's looking for, but for your repentance and looking to him. When he calls, (laughs) he will forgive you. He will. 
But you got to open your heart and open your mind to hear that. Are you ready for joy? Are you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may our hearts be all yours, 100%, Father, in everything that we do and say. May your light shine through us because we know that that is true joy. To see that light, to see the smile on the faces of those who go, yes, I love you, Lord. Father, may our hearts know your truth completely and may we abide by that truth completely in our lives, Lord. As we go forward this week, Lord, may we strive to bring glory to your name as you bring joy to our hearts, Father. Not in the things of this world, but in the things of your eternal promises. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, Yahweh, amen.